When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What up, my homies? It's Lisa here and I cannot, I literally cannot contain my excitement because guys, today's episode features a guest that has been one of my top guests of all time since I started Women of Impact four years ago. No freaking joke, I made the list four years ago, guys, and I'm telling you, I just kept at it. I didn't give up, I didn't take no for an answer, I didn't accept the naysayers who thought I would never happen, I just kept going. So honestly, this episode, not only is it just amazing, and I can't wait for you to hear it, it is a true testament to what it looks like when you have a goal and you have a dream and you don't give up. So guys, right now, I'm talking to you, you listening. What is that dream you have? What is that thing that may take you five years that other people say isn't possible? Well, I'm here and living proof right here, right now today that it is possible. You just got to keep at it and you can't give up. Now saying all that, guys, I want to introduce you to the most amazing woman, a wannabe queen pin, Tupac's bestie, Hollywood star, and Will Smith's ride or die. That's right, guys. It's the undeniable Ms. Jada Pinkett Smith is in the house and she is here sharing the many freaking hard lessons that she learned along her journey to help you get back up when life knocks you down we talk about everything everything from the entanglement to the slap to the eye roll that apparently made him do it jada has taken so many hits after hits but she has more love and more confidence and more self-acceptance than ever before And today, we're going deep to talk about the adversities she's had to face and why she's actually grateful for them. If you've ever sacrificed yourself for the greater good or felt like the cards were just stacked against you, then guys, lean in because Jada's wisdom in this episode will speak to you. So, without further ado, I am just honoured to be able to say these freaking words, guys. Four years in the making. Are you ready? Guys, this is Lisa Binyu with Jada Pinkett-Smith on Women of Impact. Let's freaking go. Both of your parents were drug addicts. Mm -hmm. You were an attempted queen pin and got held up at gunpoint. Several um, times. Several times. You've unfortunately battled with depression and almost took your own life by driving off a cliff. You lost one of your dearest friends, Tupac, way too soon. Mm -hmm. You have been mocked and ridiculed and threatened you have been blamed for every single thing that's ever happened in your relationship. Yeah. So what lessons have you learned along the journey that have allowed you to be so freaking damn confident and keep getting back up? I'm really grateful for all of the adversity that I've had. 
is because it's really helped cure self-judgment, right? So to me, that is the greatest weapon that we allow other people to use, that we ultimately use against ourselves, is how we feel about ourselves. Once we really know who we are and you know, are willing and have the courage to do the work to really find out who and what we are, we start to realize that, you know, all the daggers that come from other people is their self-judgment projected onto your self-judgment, right? That creates this cycle of self-hatred, right? And so once you, I found in, in my journey that once I could remedy that for myself, um, it helped me have compassion for what everybody else was going through that puts them in the position to feel as though they need to or have the right to judge someone else because I understood how my self-hatred did the same thing. So you start to realize what's true and what's not, you know, so that what people are projecting um, onto you is really their own stuff. And if you have your stuff cleaned up, you can see it and you can let it go, right? And so learning how to perceive things in a way that is far more healthy and far more true. But the pain, it's the pain of it all that makes you um, have to look for those remedies, have to look for those cures, have to look for the alternative way of living or being, you know? But that, that's why I'm so grateful for the levels of discomfort that I've had in my life, right? Because at the end of the day, that, that, that's what it's all there for, right? Those discomforts, those pains, those, you know, um, when we get into our depressions or when we get into feeling like uh, we, we don't have what it takes to get up again, right? It's like really finding that power within ourselves. It's like, no, we got to get up again. And we're going to figure out how we're going to stay up, <laughs> you know? And so what do I have to change? So a lot of times we're looking at how do we change other people? How do we change circumstances that are outside of our control? At the end of the day, we have all the control to change whatever we need within ourselves to have the lives that we want. So the moment that we're willing to stop worrying about what other people are doing and we're focusing on what are those things within myself that I need to change to help me have the life that I want to be, have, help me be the person that I want to be? That's when things start clicking. That's when things start rolling. And is that what you repeat in your head in order to get back up? Because there is that other part or that other person who may um, diminish themselves more, who may actually pull back more instead of leaning into the uncomfortable. Because it sounds like, right, you're saying you just have to lean into the uncomfortable. You have to. It's easier to point your finger at other people. So how did you actually make that decision, sit in that uncomfortableness where so many of us want to run? It's what I call the rock bottom, mm -hmm. right? It's like, you know, with any addiction. I feel like we're all addicts in one way or another. Every single person you'll ever meet, you know? It's like, but what are we addicted to, right? And a lot of us are addicted to our psychological cycles, right? And so when I hit that rock bottom, I had to look at my psychological cycle, right? I had to go, when has this happened before? What are those prior times before this one? And you ultimately start to realize that you are the common denominator of your experience, mm -hmm. right? And I just started with, what is it that makes me so unhappy? 
you know, and it was my perception. It was my perception of, of, of life. And so then I realized, oh, wow, you have a lot of false beliefs. Okay, so let's start there. Let's start changing the false beliefs. You know, the idea that, A, you know, your relationship is supposed to be perfect. You know, we all have these kind of romanticized ideas of what life is supposed to look like, what being married is supposed to be, what being a mother is supposed to be, what being successful is supposed to be. I mean, we have all of these, like, what things are supposed to be versus, A, let's look at what is. <laughs> let's see what the problems we're having with what is. And how, what do I need to change within myself to get in harmony with what is? Because what is, is going to be what it is, <laughs> right? And so I had to just start getting more real and start breaking down these romanticized, idealistic ideas of what I wanted my life to look like. I actually have a quote of yours um, based on the idealistic ideas that we have specifically in relationship. Mm -hmm. So we think a lot like if we love each other, we must think alike, right? Yeah. If you love me, you must know exactly all of my needs at all times without me having to tell you, right? And if you don't live up to these expectations, I have the right to disrespect you, treat you like an enemy and look for what I need elsewhere because you are choosing not to give me what I need. Boom. Right? Right? That's a real false belief I had. And is that what you were doing with Will, like looking to him to know all of... Oh, absolutely. Don't we all <laughs> look to our intimate partners to, to be the remedy, to be the magic? I need you to be the thing. I need you to make me feel like how you made me feel the first three months of our relationship. What happened to that? You know what I mean? It's like, oh, because relationships mature. And within relationships, we all have to emotionally mature, right? It's like... The honeymoon stage can't last forever. Mm. Um, talking about that type of expectations and like what we have an expectation of um, a relationship. So thank you for breaking that down. One of the things that I found fascinating that you talk about in your story is when you were going to marry Will and you didn't actually succumb to a lot of the expectations that a lot of us and my audience do have. And I'd love to kind of break down a couple mm -hmm. of those because many people will people please and do things Actually, you've got many stories I'd love to dive into, but that initial moment of getting married, yeah. a lot of us want to please everybody else. So we'll do what other people want. But it didn't seem like you succumbed to that. So number one, you bought your own wedding ring. Yeah, I did that because I really was trying to get my head around the idea that I was going to be married. You know, and I was like, I got to have some kind of control around this. So I'm just... <laughs> I'm just going to go get the ring. I'm just going to, it's literally, I got up the next day and was just like, I'm just going to go get this ring so that I can get my head around the fact I'm getting married, but I'm going to have some kind of control <laughs> over this circumstance, you know? Um, and so that, that was what that was about. Yeah. And when you say the control, is that because, so I actually have a quote of yours, another one, um, you said that in your wedding day, you were like happy and sad, hopeful and scared, triumphant and uncertain. Yeah. Is that, the juxtaposition between these two competing emotions. And so for you to feel grounded, you needed something that you could take control of. Yeah, I mean, I am a control freak in a lot of different ways, which as I've gotten older, I'm learning how to like ease up. But yeah, just the, I, I never imagined being married. That, that was never a dream of mine. Um, and once, you know, I was pregnant and Will being, you know, the, the, the uh, very powerful, energetic figure that he is, you know, trying to work around, trying to figure out, like, you know, 
different ways of just dealing with it. Um, I was like, okay, I'm getting married. And I really wanted to have a family. Like he and I both love family. That was the one thing that we both really wanted to um, share. I always knew I was gonna have a child with someone, right? Without necessarily being married. But we both are family people. Um, and that's why he really felt like it was important to be married. I didn't necessarily feel like to be married, you have to have a family, but I got in line with his, his philosophy. Where's that line then between of like the compromise, right? Where it's like, okay, I want this, you want this. Okay, let's compromise. And that line of, okay, he wants it. So I'm just going to do this one thing. Yeah. And then you want something else. And you're just going to do this other thing. Mm-hmm. And I'm speaking from my own story as well. I was a yeah. stay-at-home wife for eight years. And I nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home wife at all. It just wasn't my dream. Right. But at no point did I just stop and say, no more. Like, I don't want to do this. And so it was like giving over that one little bit. And so many people, I think, do that, especially women, where you keep sacrificing, one little sacrifice at a time. Absolutely. Did you feel like that with your marriage? Or was this like a compromise and then the sacrifices came later? I think in all relationships... You, you got to practice, right? Mm-hmm. And I think that's the thing we all have to remember. Relationships is a practice, right? So being in a relationship with someone else and being in a relationship with yourself and then being in a relationship with yourself with someone else, right? I think that's one of the beautiful aspects about intimate partnerships and marriages, right? Is really learning that balance and being committed to that practice right? Because it doesn't just come like that. And here's the thing. Nobody can tell you um, how to do it. And nobody can tell you what it is because only you can figure out through your practice how to get that balance. Right. But I think that most people just have to remember that it's a practice. So if we can get out of that concept of believing that relationships are just supposed to show up and be perfect and um, be satisfying always and forever, right? And know that being in relationships and learning how to love is a practice. You're practicing how to learn to love yourself. You're practicing how to learn to love your partner. And then you're practicing how to be in a loving partnership. And it's just a lot of practice. And so you have to figure it out for yourself. Yeah. You said... Will and I had pictures in our minds of what a happily married couple was and our pictures didn't match. Like most people. Is it the communication that people don't talk about the picture itself? No, I think that we come into our relationships as individuals, right? And so then you come in as individuals, but then these two individuals have to learn how to figure out a way to live a life together. So once again, it's practice, right? And so, and I think that we don't have that level of communication enough. I really do think, and I talk about this in the book, I do think that the marriage ceremony that we have as a ritual is, um, it doesn't, doesn't quite give the entry point to what a marriage truly is about, 
right? It's kind of like you have this ceremony and, you know, you, you're, you're supposed to walk into the sunset and live happily ever after, right? Well, that's where the movie ends, Jada. It ends there, <laughs> but it, it, it cuts out the middle part of what it takes right. to get to that happily ever after, right? And so I think that's the part that we don't have a lot of education around. And I think that's the part where we have a lot of misunderstanding, right? And so... Just knowing that, yeah, you're going to come into a partnership. And most of the time, um, you know, I believe that opposites attract. So you're going to have these two different perceptions that have to come together and learn how to be a yin and yang sign. Mm. Right? Have to learn how to live in harmony with the beauty of their differences. Because that's the other thing. That's the other romantic false idea that if you love me, just like you said, you think like I do. You understand what my thoughts are. You should be able to read my mind. It's like, hell no, that's not how that works. Mm -hmm. You know, so it just takes time to really learn. And I think that's one of the pieces that was missing for me was that I really thought that, well, shoot, once you get married, you know, and if you love me, everything is just supposed to fall in place. I'm willing to do this. You're willing to do that. Come on now. This is supposed to be lined up and in harmony, you know, and forgetting that. No, 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 no. Love, partnership takes practice to have a harmonious one. I completely agree. And do you just think people have a different perception because you're Jada and Will? Because you're a thousand percent right. Zero relationships are perfect. Right. Zero, zero people are going to come to the table thinking the same, doing the same. Um, I call them base assumptions as well. Like even if I say a word like magic, the word magic to me is going to mean something than it is to you. Absolutely. And so we have base assumptions even on the words that we use. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, knowing that in the world, knowing that every single person watching now hasn't had ever one perfect relationship we still hold you and Will to a different standard. Absolutely. Well, that has everything to do with the romanticized idealism mm. of uh, relationships that are, that are spotlighted. Mm -hmm. Right? It's just another romanticized version of what our business represents. Right? Um, and I get it. And I understand. You know, it's very difficult and can be extremely disappointing when you realize that, wait a minute, you tell me, you're telling me that if I work that hard to get to that station of life, I still got to deal with that bullshit? And the answer is yes. <laughs> Sorry to bust your bubble in that way, that it doesn't matter how much money you make, how much success you have, how much fame you have, you still have, you're not exempt from being a human being. You're not exempt from the pain of human relating, you know? You're not exempt from just everything that comes with uh, being in a marriage and being a mother and, and being a guy and being a girl. And it's, it, none of that goes out of the window. You still have all that to deal with. You're still a human being. That's it. <laughs> if you own your own business, when an employee leaves your company, whether on good terms or bad, it can feel, I hate to say it, but it actually can feel personal. Like you and you alone are the one to blame. And it actually may even trigger you to lock down your business, not open yourself up and not actually risk trying anyone else. Like you actually would your heart after a bad breakup and avoid looking for that new partner altogether. Well, let's face it, sometimes we can do that with highs as well. And 
And trust me, guys, I've been there. I get the thought of bringing in a new stranger into your business actually fills your heart with more anxiety than it does love and joy. But when you post your jobs on LinkedIn, you can actually feel the confidence that you will find the right person for the right job fast because LinkedIn isn't actually just another job board. LinkedIn has a vast network of more than a billion billion with a B professionals, which makes it the best place to hire because guys, it gives you access to professionals that you actually can't find anywhere else. And so LinkedIn does all that while making the process easy and intuitive, which then makes hiring with confidence easy when you have that many quality candidates. And it's so easy, in fact, that 86% of small businesses get qualified candidates within 24 hours. So post your jobs for free at linkedin.com slash Lisa. That's linkedin.com slash Lisa to post your job for utterly free. And of course, terms and conditions always apply. As an entrepreneur, one of the biggest challenges you will face is a negative voice in your head. You know who I'm talking about. That may be not so small part of you that loudly doubts your abilities to actually pull the things off and make a living from your passion project. But you've got to overcome that negative voice in your head, homie, because I'm telling you, you can do it especially if you use Shopify. Now, Shopify is an all-in-one global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From launching your business to hitting a million dollars, Shopify has got you completely covered. And with all the built-in Magic AI award-winning customer service and the internet's best converting checkout, you have everything you need to shut down the voice of doubt and make all your amazing business dreams a reality. That's exactly why, guys, I love Shopify. So if you want to start growing your business with more customers and sales, shut that negative voice down and prove her wrong that you can do it, Shopify is here for you. So go and sign up for just $1 a month with your trial period at shopify.com slash Lisa, all lowercase. Again, guys, you can go to shopify.com slash Lisa right now to grow your business, no matter where you are and what stage it's in. That's shopify.com slash Lisa. It's so brave of you to be able to, and I do (laughs) think of it as brave, as for you to be that transparent and honest about the realities, because there's a world where it, it is easier to blame other people. It is easier to say, I wish it was like, I can't believe, right? Yeah. But I've never heard you say that. And almost like, as I'm reading your book, I'm saying it for you. Yeah. I'm like, how can you do that? that? Like, it, it is pissing me off, homie, right. that we have double standards in the world mm-hmm. where we have a standard for ourselves, mm-hmm. we have a standard for our friends, and we right. have a different standard for everyone else at large. Right. And when I read your story and really hear about what you went through, it really does highlight the fact that women are treated differently to men. Mm -hmm. So you get a lot of people, especially who watch my channel, who are very pro-women. It's called a show called Women of Impact. Right. And yet people may jump on you for things like, I hate to say, the power of the eye roll. Yeah, it's like anyone here if it wasn't you sitting here Jada and I asked somebody do you think you have power over a man by doing your eye roll everybody would say well Jesus no if only I could have power Power exactly (laughs) like have that much strength exactly but yet people hold you to a different standard Mm -hmm. and it really pissed me off that all of a sudden it was your fault Mm -hmm. do you mind talking and like am I just annoyed for you do you have the anger or is there like have you, like, what, 
Walk me through that moment. And then how, as a female, you've been able to stand damn strong in your own. Yeah, you, you really got to know who you are. Period. Right? So I'm always looking at it as a way that the Great Supreme is just helping me find that power in which the Great Supreme has put within me. Right? And we can only find that with adversity. Now, Hollywood is very uh, male-centric. Right. And so I was not surprised. I'll just put it that way. I was not surprised that I was blamed for that incident. Right. Even though it's absolutely ridiculous, you know, but it's not something that is rare. It's just that in that particular situation, it seemed far more. Um, magnified because of the circumstances. But I mean, how often? I mean, the woman is always getting blamed. I was just talking to a friend of mine the other day and I had to really help her look at it from a different perspective. She found out that her husband is, you know, in a situation with a woman that she knows and she automatically wanted to attack this woman. And I said, pause. I said, you gotta pause, you gotta pause. You gotta pause. You gotta pause. This is this is your husband who vowed. He he gave you vows. He made a commitment to you. I'm not saying that that woman is in the right, but first and foremost, we're gonna talk about your husband. Mm -hmm. That's where we're gonna start. We're gonna talk about that, and you're gonna have to confront what's going on with that, mm -hmm. and not deflect by blaming this woman. So if you take that out on a broader you know, it's just easier because now you don't have to deal with what's really there, right? So it's just easier and that's all. And that's the way that I look at it. So I don't get upset about it because I understand in my own life that when I am throwing blame somewhere that it doesn't belong, when it's the wrong target, that means I'm deflecting from something of a confront that is far more painful. You know what I mean? And so we do it all the time. You're always gonna go for the low hanging fruit, you know, but at the end of the day, deep down inside, you know, for those who really want to investigate, you know, you really start to understand that we all have to be responsible for our own actions, no matter what. And does that happen automatically for you now? Or was there a process of okay, let me get back into my body. Like, what does that look like in real time where some people are looking to you to blame you? And the reason why I ask that is not many people obviously have been in your situation, mm -hmm. but many, many women have been in a situation where they take on the blame, they take on shame that actually isn't is theirs. Yeah. yeah. So let me, let me answer that in two ways. So let me first just say, as far as that particular circumstance with Will, um, I was too worried about making sure he was okay because I was behind the scenes. So I was very clear about what was actually happening versus what people were thinking about. My first concern was making sure Will was good, right? So that's that because I'm very clear about what actually is happening, right? Now, as far as we as women and um, taking blame, We've been taught to do that, you know, that 
by any means necessary, make sure, you know, you should put yourself second. You should put yourself third. You should put, put yourself fourth. Make sure everybody's taken care of before you take care of yourself. So, I would say that we as women have to learn how to make ourselves a priority. And it's only from there that we will really understand if we're making decisions that are uh, healthy, right? When we're taking blame and we're putting ourselves on the back burner because we think that is what's going to make us lovable, that's the part that will tear us down, okay? If we are taking care of ourselves and we are loving ourselves in a way in which we believe that we can make a sacred sacrifice, that's different. That's different, right? A sacred sacrifice. We can only make decisions like that from a place of self-love. Anything else will be self-betrayal, right? So it took me a long time to know the difference between self-betrayal, disguising itself as sacrifice, versus sacred sacrifice. Sometimes we do make sacrifices, but it's because it's what we want to do. It's not to get the love of someone. It's not to get uh, to uh, to get fall into a position. You know, it is because it's who we want to be. It's a decision we're making based on who we want to be, not what we can get. Yeah. Just have to let that answer sit for a second. I did not expect that. Yeah. Sacred sacrifice. Yeah. Um, and so is that what you did then in those moments of where you feel like, let's just take the, the oh God, what was the, the chapter that you call it? Oh my God, the slap. The- oh, the, <laughs> the, 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 the holy joke, holy slap and the holy sacrifice. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, yeah, it was so much going on and it was, it was, there was nothing to say. You know, it was really just about me and at that time locking up with the family, you know, and everybody in the inner circle knew exactly what was happening. And that's all that matters. The only thing that ever matters to me, what are my kids thinking? What's going on in my home life? If my home life and my kids are good, I'm great. I have no concern of what people are thinking on the outside. I just, I just never have. I just, I don't know what that is about me. Um, And it's not to say that it's not annoying and it's not to say that sometimes I don't hear things that hurt my feelings, Mm. right? But it doesn't take me out because I already know it has nothing to do with me. How somebody thinks about me honestly has nothing to do with me. If my kids were going out here and saying the things that other people are saying who don't know me, then I'd be concerned, you know? If Will was going out there and saying that, I'd be concerned, but... My inner circle knows exactly who I am. And those are the people who mean the most and count. Everybody else who doesn't know me, I, ha- I-, I have no control over that. 
That's so, I love the confidence and the strength in that. And so as you talk about sacred sacrifice in your book, you say about how you actually stayed in the marriage for the family and the sacrifice of the kids. So many women do that yeah. as well, where we do it for the greater good, the yeah. greater good of the husband, the greater good of the kids. And the amount of women in their older lives, mm -hmm. I'm 44, so in their 40s right. and 50s and 60s, that come to me and say, I've spent all of my life doing the sacrifice for everybody else, and now what about me? That's it. For me, my family's everything. So it's what I want to do versus feeling it's something I have to do for everybody else. I couldn't do that. At this stage of the game, I couldn't do that, right? Um, but that's why we all have to be in contact with ourselves enough to know what it is we're actually doing. Are you staying in the marriage because you're scared? Are you staying in the marriage because you're afraid of, you don't know what your identity may be outside of the marriage? You know what I mean? That, that's different stuff versus, like for me, really looking at my family as they are my everything. And not in the sense of like, I'm talking about just in a, in a spiritual sense, like what, what the, the love that is generated there, the spiritual lessons that are generated there, and what we are together as a unit, right? And so it just depends on what you're looking for. It depends on what your assignment is. Now that starts to get into more of a spiritual concept. Some of us are assigned to people. I really believe that. Some of us aren't. Some of us are in marriages we don't have to be in. We just have to work through our own fears. We have to work through our own stuff, you know, and have the courage to do what we need to do for ourselves. And I've done all that, right? I walked away. I lived alone. I did. I went through that entire journey for me to really understand what it is I was looking for and what it is I wanted. And as women, we can't be afraid to journey. Now, that's one thing we have to have the courage to do. Don't be paralyzed. Don't be paralyzed. You've got to make a step. And guess what? Every step doesn't mean it's going to be gleeful and it's going to be fairy dust and rainbows. You can't avoid discomfort. Choose your bitter medicine. Choose it. Make a decision you know? And that's, that's what people are afraid of. People are always trying to make decisions to avoid pain. The pain's coming one the way or another. The pain is coming one way or another. <laughs> Choose which one. Yeah. Is it the pain that's going to move you forward or is it the pain that's going to keep you stuck? Make a decision and be cool with it. Work with it, right? And so... That's what happened with me. You know what I mean? And sometimes you're going to knock shit down. Sometimes you're going to break shit up. Sometimes you're going to get ugly. Sometimes you're going to get dirty. But all of that is going to help you find your shine. And society gets pissed at women who have the courage to journey. Society will tell you you don't have a right to journey. Right? It's selfish. It's to selfish journey. to journey. And that's where I think a lot of women, we got to have the courage to do that, whatever that means for you.
whatever, if that means, you know, kickboxing lessons three days a week, whatever the thing is, you know, if that means backpacking through freaking downtown LA for, you know, a month. I don't know what it is, right? But whatever is calling your soul, answer those calls and have the courage to be disliked. Have the courage to be disliked. Because if you don't have the courage to be disliked, you will never self-actualize. Specifically as a woman, because you're going to have to do some shit that people ain't going to like. You're going to piss some people you're gonna off. You're going to piss some people <laughs> off. You know, have the courage to be disliked. Because at the end of the day, when you have the courage to be disliked by others, it's giving you the courage to like yourself solidly. When you can look in that mirror and you can smile at yourself and give yourself a, a, a little, you know, hand clap or a little clap on your shoulder, that means you just released anybody else needing to shore you up in any way. That you're there to shore yourself up. Do you think that that has been your superpower then? Absolutely. You know, that's been my journey of just like, yo, all I care about, Jada, do you like you? Cool, boo. We got this. You know, and I look in the eyes of my kids and see their admiration, adoration, their genuine love for me. Cool. And when I look at Will and see his, <laughs> I'm like, all right, we here. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so... It's the love of my family, the love of my friends, the love of my internal circle that keeps me strong. You're so incredibly self-aware, not afraid to go against the grain. Mm -mm. And as I started, right, you just keep getting back up. And those traits, I think, are the things that keep so many of us stuck and held to not go after that dream, to judge other people, right? Because maybe internally we desperately want to do that ourselves and we Absolutely. don't have that courage. Absolutely. And so instead of saying, well, you can do that, but you don't, it's easier actually to put the blame and saying, but she, you know, I can't believe I she can't did believe it. I can't believe she did that. And, and we do that as women a lot in order f to prevent ourselves from taking the steps we know we need to take. Mm -hmm. So we pull other women down and go, how could she? It's heartbreaking that women are, and I'm going to be honest, we sometimes are the worst. We, are, we can be the gatekeepers of patriarchy in ways a man would never even think of. <laughs> I swear, it's amazing, you know? But I understand that too because it's fear. It's just fear. It's just fear. I've been there. You know, it's just fear. And that's the thing. When you really, when you really do the work to know yourself and your inner shadow and your inner light, you really know everybody else around you, right? And that's when you, you start to get even more comfortable. Like, oh, I know. So you can see beyond the front-facing thing. You can see right past it. Because, oh, I've journeyed that. I know exactly what that face is. I know exactly what the energy of that comment is about. Mm. I get it, you know, and it's okay. I understand. Yeah, I think you even said after the slap that one of the lessons you would learn was you actually learned to love uh, Will's shadow side. Oh, my goodness. Right? Because, yeah, I mean, and that's been a whole 
that's been a whole deep journey because I think that talking about, I, I was holding on to the idealism and the fantasies that the world had of him. I was holding on to that too. And when you have the expectation of someone to be a certain thing and they're trying so hard, you know, but then their traumas come to the surface and they burst. It's inevitable. It happens to us all in different ways and different forms, you know. And I really garnered so much compassion in regards to him and all his imperfections and all his flaws and all the years of him trying to be, you know, Mr. Perfect. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that there's, there is beauty in the story. Like, it's so interesting and fascinating of how there's, you know, your book really does go through, like, the heartache and the empowerment of it all. And so even with you saying, like, I learned to love his shadow in one of the darkest moments, right, is a beautiful thing. And I think that understanding each other's shadow sides as well as your own, understanding each other's traumas, as well as your own, because I think you even said as well, it's like when you and Will first came together, you had the trauma of you were clinically depressed and, you know, suicidal. Yeah. And you were just coming out of that. And he was just coming out of a divorce and running from that. And so both of you are running, coming together. Trauma bond. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think that happens a lot in relationships, you know, unconsciously, we don't know, right? And so if we have enough courage you know, and are willing to do the work. And it, let me tell you, it is not for the weak at heart. Mm -hmm. So that's why I said if, because you don't have to. I would never say you got to. No, you don't, right? But in my particular case, um, you know, being able to do that kind of shadow work together has been very healing. And it's, it's, it's gnarly stuff. It's gnarly, but... You know, I'm really interested in learning how to love. And it's not easy. I have my days where I spit and claw and kick shit over. And, you know, <laughs> I have my days, you know what I mean? Um, but, you know, just really having to courage to learn to love. Because we think that learning to love is always supposed to be about uh, rainbows and moonbeams and it's not it's just not you know but we also have to know the difference between learning how to love and being in abusive relationships too mm. so I want to be very clear about that right because people can be in abusive relationships and think well you know this is part of the difficulty this is part no 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 abuse is never is never okay of any kind it's never okay. That's not the adversity and difficulty I'm talking about. I want to be really clear about that. But you've even said also, though, that sometimes if you've been brought up in a certain way where something seems normal, That's you don't right. freaking know you the don't red flags because it seems normal to you. It, it seems, seems like normal. a green flag. Yep, it does. And so that's the thing. And that takes time to unravel. And that takes a lot of self-drive. Like you really like, if you keep, if you're if you're in a cycle with someone, right? You've been in this cycle with this person for years and they just have no interest in changing. That's when you have to start to realize, okay, this this is this is an issue. 
if it's just cycling, 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 and you're stuck in this cycle of abuse of some kind. And that's the thing that I would tell, you know, people in general to, to be aware of just the cycles you're in and just look at them, write them down, you know? And so you can see it on paper. It's something about when you're willing to write on paper and having to look at it. <laughs> and then it's also a thing that you can go back to, to remember, because we can also have these psychological developments that give us these justifications. So we forget. It's a protective mechanism. It's a protective right? mechanism, right? And so, you know, this is when we as individuals have to really want something different for ourselves. We have to really want it, you know? Yeah, because. It's tough. Yeah. And I know, you know, and it's really, really tough. I'd love to talk about the entanglement, if okay. you don't mind, for a moment. Yeah. And really what I'm looking for to talk about this is you said in the book, I didn't realize this, and this is why I want to talk about it. You said that you took on a lot of the blame. Mm -hmm. And you just said, Will's not ready yet, so I'm just going to take it on. Yeah. In that moment, it, like I can see two parts of it, right? As a female, I want to say, don't do it. Of course. We women take on the blame, blame all, all the time. All the time. Exactly. Don't do it. And so part of me wants to scream at you, Jada, like, yep. you don't do it. And then the other part is, that is such a beautiful thing to do for your children and your family. And so as if a woman's hearing right now this type of situation, maybe they're in it themselves where they've got this moment of, I can sacrifice for my family and put myself basically in front of the train tracks. Yep or not, talk through that to me of how you had the courage to actually throw yourself in front of the train tracks and feel good about it. Because in the book, you like you seem like just so still proud of the fact <laughs> that you, yeah, I did this. I did it for a reason. And so it's such a bad or strong story to... Let to me tell you, I mean, okay, so that that's really layered because two things, you know, um, Will and I were not together, so I, I never cheated on Will. So let's just start there, right? Um, but you guys don't make it clear in that. And I think it's because you were protecting Will. Exactly. Well, I was protecting a lot of things, sure. right? And so the idea that two things. So th this, is where, this is where my hood lessons, <laughs> this is where my hood schooling comes in. <laughs> you know, I like the hood It's like, you got caught. This cat went out and he blew your spot up. You got to take that hit. So let's start there. Period. So if I'm driving down the street and I got 10 keys of cocaine in the back of my car that I just got from Miami, I'm going to tell on the dude down the street, like, I'm going to tell on who serviced the 10, right? I got it in my car. I was speeding over that state line. I got pulled over. But now I'm going to tell on somebody else? I don't think so. Right? And so, yeah, that's just who I am. I don't, I, I, that's just who I am. That's just who, on all parties involved, cool. I'll do the bid. I'm cool. And I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying that's in my blood. I don't, it's just me. Now, I wouldn't say that every, you know, everybody's got to deal with their situation differently, right? We can't, and that's the thing we got to be careful of in 
talking about relationships and talking about certain certain circumstances because things aren't cookie cut and things aren't black and white, right? It's very like every circumstance has to be based on what's going on with you, which is going to be different than what's going on with me and what I'm dealing with, right? Um, And so in a circumstance like that, I would say everybody has to figure out for themselves what they can look in the mirror and be okay with. And it might not have been that decision, but for me, it was that decision that I could look in the mirror and be okay with myself with. That's so beautiful. And I hope for everybody listening that they can adopt that type of attitude. They don't have to though. <laughs> but, but I think, and I understand they don't have to. Right. But in order for you to go to bed at night, like this is what I think about. All oh, the- you mean as far as being able to make decisions that you can look yourself in the mirror yeah. and be proud of. Yeah, like, exactly. When I think about no matter what you do in the world, no matter what success, the only thing that actually matters is how you feel about yourself when you're by yourself. Right. Period. Period. That's it. And to your point of if you can look in the mirror and be proud of yourself, then I think it eliminates all the other things that we women do, beat ourselves up, shame ourselves, blame ourselves for all these other things. If we can say, I'm so proud of myself, even if other people wouldn't do this, I feel good. It's so powerful. And so I really hope that women have that ability to do that because all the other decisions that were in front of me that I could have made, I couldn't have lived with myself. Right. With. I just couldn't have. And a lot of people told me, don't say it. Don't do it, please. That's a lie. You put, you know, da, 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 da. I mean, so many, specifically my friends and people are very upset with me that I did it, but it was something I had to do from my code, my own personal code. And that, homie, is something that I hope everyone can do for themselves, is have your own personal code and live by it, especially when it's difficult. Yeah, that, I mean, because that's when we really show up, you know, dependent on, on however you want to show up. But when, you know, shit hits the fan, it's like, now what? Who are you now? You know, who are you now? And so you got to you gotta live and die by your own hand. Amen, sister. Yeah. Where can people find you and your freaking awesome book, Worthy? <laughs> well, Worthy is, you know, you can go on Amazon, you can go Barnes and Nobles, you can go, you know. Um, I'm really proud of, of, of that book. Um, and I'm hoping, um, I really wanted to write it in a way that, yeah, I was talking about my journey, but I feel like it's the universal journey of so many of us. Um, but yeah, you can, you can find that book at your uh, neighborhood bookstore. <laughs> <laughs> guys, guys, when I tell you, like she said, this is almost like a blueprint of how to handle adversity, grief. We didn't even get Uh, touched on the fact of how she ended up losing one of her closest friends, Tupac, at a way too early age. How do you deal with that? How do you deal with having people push back, tell you the type of person you should be? It's the things that we struggle with every day here on Women of Impact. And this book is literally chock full of the blueprints on how you can handle that with stories woven in. So guys, go check out the book. Go check out Jada. When I say this has been a dream come true, 
talking about confidence, talking about how you stand up for yourself, talking about how to set boundaries is the things that we women need to do over and over and over again until the cows come home. We need to be screaming it to the top of our lungs so that we can adopt that ourselves and live the life we actually want. Be like Jada, my friend. Be like Jada. Until next time, <laughs> be the hero of your own life. Peace. <laughs>